Chapter 65 of The House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lafano. Chapter 65 Relating some awful news that reached the village, and how Dr. Walsingham visited captain richard devereux at his lodgings and now there was news all over town to keep all the tongues there in motion news news great news terrible news peter fogarty mr tresham's boy had it that morning from his cousin jim redmond whose aunt lived at rings end and kept a little shop over against the bloom of feathers where you might have your pick and choice of all sorts of nice and useful things bacon brass snuff-boxes penny ballads eggs candles cheese tobacco pipes pinchback buckles for knee and instep soap sausages and who knows what beside no one quite believed it it was a tradition at third hand and peter fogarty's cousin jim redmond's aunt was easy of faith jim it was presumed not very accurate in narration and peter not much better though however it was not actually intelligence it was a startling thesis and though some raised their brows and smiled darkly and shook their heads the whole town certainly pricked their ears at it and not a man met another without well anything more you've heard the report sir eh it was not till dr toole came out of town early that day that the sensation began in earnest there could be no doubt about it twas a wonderful strange thing certainly after so long a time and so well preserved too what was it what is it why charles nutter's corpse is found sir corpse eh so toole says hello toole dr toole i say here's mr slow hasn't heard about poor nutter ho oh, neighbor slow give you good day sir not heard it by jove sir poor nutter tis true his body's found picked up this morning just at sunrise by two dunleary fishermen off bullock justice low has seen it and spate saw it too I've just been speaking with him, not an hour ago, in Thomas Street. It lies at Ring's End, and an inquest in the morning. And so on, in Dr. Toole's manner, until he saw Dr. Walsingham, the good rector, pausing in his leisurely walk just outside the row of houses that fronted the turnpike, in one of which were the lodgings of Dick Devereux. The good Dr. Toole, wondered what brought his reverence there for he had an inkling of something going on so he bustled off to him and told his story with the stern solemnity befitting such a theme and that pallid half-suppressed smile with which an exciting horror is sometimes related and the good rector had many ejaculations of consternation and sympathy and not a few inquiries to utter and at last when the theme was quite exhausted he told toole who still lingered on 
that he was going to pay his respects to Captain Devereux. Oh, said cunning little Tool, you need not, for I told him the whole matter. Very like, sir, answered the doctor, but tis on another matter I wish to see him. Oh, oh, certainly very good, sir. I beg pardon, and, and, he's just done his breakfast, a late dog, sir. Ha, ha, your servant, Dr. Walsingham. Devereux puzzled his comrade Puddock more than ever. Sometimes he would descend, with his blue devils, into the abyss, and sit there all the evening in a dismal sulk. Sometimes he was gayer, even than his old gay self, and sometimes in a bitter vein, talking enigmatical ironies with his strange smile, and sometimes he was dangerous and furious, just as the weather changes without rhyme or reason. Maybe he was angry with himself, and thought it was with others, and was proud, sorry, and defiant, and let his moods, one after another, possess him as they came. They were his young days, beautiful and wicked, days of clear, rich tints, and sanguine throbbings, and gloria mundi. When we fancy the spirit perfect, and the body needs no redemption, when fresh from the fountains of life, death is but a dream and we walk the earth like heathen gods and goddesses in celestial egotism and beauty o fair youth gone for ever the parting from thee was a sadness and a violence sadder i think than death itself we look behind us and sigh after thee as on the pensive glories of a sunset and our march is toward the darkness it is twilight with us now, and will soon be starlight, and the hour and place of slumber, till the reveille sounds, and the day of wonder opens. O oh, grant us a good hour, and take us to thy mercy. But to the last, those young days will be remembered and worth remembering. For be we what else we may, young mortals, we shall never be again." Of course, Dick Devereux was now no visitor at the Elms. All that, for the present, was over. Neither did he see Lilius, for little Lily was now a close prisoner with doctors, in full uniform with shouldered canes mounting guard at the doors. Twas a hard winter, and she needed care and nursing, and Devereux chafed and fretted, and in truth, twas hard to bear this spite of fortune to be so near and yet so far quite out of sight and hearing a word or two from general chatsworth in dr walsingham's ear as they walked to and fro before the white front of belmont had decided the rector on making this little call for he had now mounted the stair of devereux's lodging and standing on the carpet outside knocked with a grave sad face on his door panel glancing absently through the lobby window and whistling inaudibly the while. The doctor was gentle and modest and entirely kindly. He held good Master Felton's doctrine about reproofs. A man, says he, had better be convinced in private than be made guilty by a proclamation. Open rebukes are for magistrates and courts of justice, for steel chambers and for scarlets, in the thronged hall private offer friends 
where all the witnesses of the offender's blushes are blind and deaf and dumb we should do by them as joseph thought to have done by mary seek to cover blemishes with secrecy public reproof is like striking of a deer in the herd it not only wounds him to the loss of enabling blood but betrays him to the hound his enemy and makes him by his fellows be pushed out of company so on due invitation from within the good parson entered and the handsome captain in all his splendors when you saw him after a little absence twas always with a sort of admiring surprise you had forgot how very handsome he was this handsome slender fellow with his dark face and large unfathomable violet eyes so wild and wicked and yet so soft stood up surprised with a look of welcome quickly clouded and crossed by a gleam of defiance they bowed and shook hands however and bowed again and each was the other's servant and being seated they talked de generabilis for the good parson would not come like an executioner and take his prisoner by the throat but altogether in the spirit of the shepherd content to walk a long way about and wait till he came up with the truant and entreating him kindly not dragging or beating him back to the flock but leading and carrying by turns and so awaiting his opportunity but devereux was in one of his moods he thought the doctor no friend to his suit and was bitter and formal and violent end of chapter sixty five recording by john brandon